This month, we're going to be looking back at the people that uh, we've lost in the last decade. We lost some pretty heavy hitters. Um, Dennis Hopper in 2010. Um, this year alone, Sid Haig, Robert Forster. We lost George Romero. We lost Philip Seymour Hop Hoffman. But tonight, Not this year, but... No, decade. but I said in the sure, decade, yeah. yeah. But tonight, we're going to be looking at a film that was released in May of 1977. Paul Walker. Paul Walker, yes. Um, this film, when you think of May of 1977, you see large lineups of people around the block to see a movie about a boy, a girl, and the galaxy. That was the actual tagline for Star Wars. Two days after that movie was released the film we're watching this evening. Ooh. Which was the second highest grossing film of 1977 and starred the biggest movie star in the world at the time. And it was actually the most profitable film of 1997. Or sorry, yeah, of 1977. I know what this is. Yes. Yeah. We are watching the Burt Reynolds classic, Smokey and the Bandit. Woo! And Hitchcock favorite. Yeah. Nice. With Sally Field. Yep. Sally Field and Jerry Reed and Jackie Gleason. Heck yeah. Here's a movie that you never seen. The map is some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles. There'll be tears. You won't watch a movie for about eight billion years. It's time for death by video. Time for death. Video. And now the show will begin. Directed by Hal Needham, who, um, if you watched uh, Once, Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this summer, um, the relationship between um, Brad Pitt's Cliff Booth character and Leonardo DiCaprio's Rick Dalton character is loosely based on the relationship between Hal Needham, who was Burt Reynolds' stuntman, and Burt Reynolds. So Hal Needham actually became a director with this film. He initially wanted, when he realized his stunt career was winding down, he wanted to do a low-budget B-picture about a um, about a uh, two drivers, one in a tractor-trailer truck and one in a high-power autom automobile that were bootlegging Coors Banquet Beer because at the time it was illegal to sell it west of... Oh, I didn't do any research. Uh, <laughs> we I, could have had a janky brew uh, yeah. movie night. Uh. Yeah, no, sorry, it was east of um, east of where? East of some some line, the Mason Dixon line. I'll just say that. I don't know what that means. East um, of Milwaukee. Anyways, yeah, that you couldn't get <laughs> on the East Coast. Are. So the whole the whole thing is, it was a in, to do in twenty eight hours a drive from. Uh, it's also bootlegging because if you brought it across state lines, it would be considered illegal. Um, and the reason why people loved Coors Banquet Beer was because it actually didn't have any preservatives in it at the time. Nice. So if you were sneaky, who needs preservatives? Yeah. <laughs> Bacteria just, for just everybody. Drink some dank beer. They took, yeah. a poll. they took a poll. Turns out we want them. Yeah, we need preservatives. Who needs to pasteurize your milk? I just yeah. want that straight from the cow. Straight from the cow. All the E. coli I can drink. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the the plot of this movie, like, it seems odd today to be like, oh, they're just taking beer from what from a couple states over. But at the time, it was a very ser serious business business because if you were caught with it, then you would, you know, be it would be considered bootlegging. Um, it's like Prohibition 2.0. Yeah, or and, Prohibition Light, I guess. Yeah, light because you can drink on either side, and the sure, yeah. and the Coors beer is light. Um, yes. Uh, so, guys, have any of you seen Smoking the Bandit before? No, no, surprisingly. Kit, I also have not. Really, Lillian? I'm not sure. I, I feel like I've seen most of the Sally Fields, so I'll, I'm not sure. I feel like I've probably mm -hmm. caught like 
you know, maybe 10 minutes on TV or something. Wow. Or I, I don't know. It's, that it's, could have been Cannonball Run. <laughs> that could have been Cannonball mm-hmm. Run or it's a Mad, 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 Mad World or something like that. I yeah. don't know. I'm I'm a huge fan of this film. Like it, it gets it gets it's a film that's kind of got forgotten about because everyone thinks of '77 as being the year of Star Wars, and but, sorcerer for some of us. Sorcerer, yeah, that too. <laughs> um, but uh, but it's yeah, I love this movie to death. I think Sally Field's great in it. I think Burt Reynolds is great in it. Jackie Gleason is awesome as the racist police sheriff Buford T. Justice. Um, Hell yeah, Buford! I love that name. Which is actually apparently based on a real. Um, sheriff that Burt Reynolds' grandfather knew, and the actual real person invented the phrase "some bitch," as opposed to saying "son of a bitch." Um, so I'm not going to ruin. We'll talk about more. Like I do know some ins and outs of the stories of the film. It is a great car chase movie. It is a great fun film. Um, but before we get into our film, has anybody seen anything interesting since we last recorded? I know we've all seen. The Lighthouse. We have seen The Lighthouse. Do you want to just get that out of the way? And yeah, just... yeah, let's talk about it. All right. Um, Who wants I like to go it? first? Should we maybe uh, just get that one out of the way? Yeah. <laughs> um, what did you yeah, think, Will? Yeah, it, it was, it was quite, a, quite a film. Like, it was uh, really... Um, I went in not knowing much about it except these two men guarding a lighthouse and That's try basically... to hang on to their sanity while they're... And it's one of those. It's it's one of those that like take like a, a while to sink in afterwards, and for me at least. And I think we were all kind of chewing on it afterwards. But yeah, it was visually very beautiful. The performances were great. What did you guys think? I liked it as well. I I I definitely liked the witch better though. I have to say, I think I liked the witch better, even though the witch could have used a couple of fart jokes. <laughs> Yeah, even though I liked it, I've uh, I always complain about how uh, not enough movies are ninety minutes anymore. Yeah. And this is like a one hundred ten minute movie that could have been ninety minutes because there's some drag in the middle. Mm-hmm. But I still really liked it, and yeah. uh, also Robert Pattinson is in this position where he's playing against Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. And I was mentioning it to Kit when right after we saw it. It was kind of like a there will be blood situation where Robert Pattinson, as good as he as great as he is in the movie he's kind of the Paul Dano to Willem Dafoe's Daniel Day-Lewis nice yeah yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that I, I do mm-hmm. like Robert Pattinson he does a good job he's got this uh, crazy accent which we couldn't quite uh, sort of like a New York accent but also a bit Irish as well, well I, I, think, I thought I think he was Irish for I like the first I think it's like New England because he spent time in Canada which means he was in logging colonies which means he was on the eastern mm-hmm. coast which was still Working very for the Hudson Bay yeah Hudson Bay Company you can still, uh, we still, we still have Hudson's Bay shops in uh, in Toronto. I have a fifty dollars Hudson HBC gift card in my wallet. Ooh, burning, burning, the, those burning blankets look really comfortable. They do. The uh, the the what is it? The red and white and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Green maybe. I can't. You sure you're just gonna trade in for some like furs or something like that? I mean, they are the Hudson's Bay. Company. <laughs> I should. I should go meet you someone. Should, you should be like, hey, you're the Hudson's Bay Company. Okay, just I'll bring take in some pelts. Yeah. I'll take two mink pelts <laughs> and I'll take uh, take a fox pelt. I know. I'm joking. Some beaver pelts, maybe. I keep seeing foxes, and they're so cute. They are. And dangerous. Um, Anyway, I think we all uh, all liked the movie to varying degrees. I Mm -hmm. I think I gave it a four star, but that could come Mm -hmm. down over time. But also, I don't think it could go up, but I did like the movie. It was... Mm -hmm. uh, I haven't seen The Witch, so I, I no? can't compare it to that. Mm. No, I know. I need to. I need to watch. Very that. good. Very but good. Willem Dafoe is just wonderful. He's mm-hmm. a he's a treasure to have, and I hope he wins the Oscar. I think he might for this one. Really, 
I thought he, I thought he would have gotten it for uh, the Florida Project, which is just like, Florida Project. I was gonna say I know, for but the, that's uh, why he might get it for this one. Yeah. I actually thought he was gonna get it for the Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, oh right, film, yes. Which everyone forgot about, which was a great performance. It was all the rage, like with all like the old timers mm-hmm. who hang out at the live at the Tiff Lightbox. Yeah. It was playing for months there. I, I know, because it was good. Yeah, but like, Willem Dafoe, like, he's up there. Yeah, he's had a lot of heavy hitter performances. Mm-hmm. He's like, I guess he's at the height of his career at this point, it seems. Yeah, everybody uh, has got a soft spot for him. That's why mm-hmm. he's due for an Oscar. I think he was nominated for Platoon as well, and he, he missed out on that one yeah, for yeah. Best Supporting Actor. He should have been nominated for Streets of Fire, in my opinion. And uh, Spider-Man 1. And, and Spider-Man 2. To Live and Die in L.A., yeah. Like, he's been doing stellar work for ages. I love. He's always, like, in a bad film, too. Like, The Boondock Saints is terrible. Mm-hmm. But Willem Dafoe's in it, which almost makes it watchable mm-hmm. sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. My, my favorite thing, though, is that... What's it, that movie where he's wearing all black, this all black leather thing, and he's got black Streets hair? Streets of Fire? Or is it The Loveless? That could be the Loveless, yeah. the debut film of Catherine Bigelow. Right. I don't know if I saw that. Maybe I'm talking of a different one. Possibly it's from the '80s, right? No, no. I think it's even more like more. Could it be Wild at Heart as Bobby Boom Defoe's Bobby Peru <laughs> with uh, the rotting teeth? That's a Boom Defoe highlight there. Well, he had this um, like long leather trench coat, and it was like oh. all tight, and he was. Uh, uh, it sounds he had like black the Matrix, hair. but. <laughs> Oh, was it? Was he in Equilibrium? Was it maybe like a Wes Anderson or something? Oh, you mean yes, um, Grand Budapest Hotel? Yeah, was it, he was in that, right? He was, yeah, he totally. And he was dressed in all in black, and he had his I hair slicked back. That. That's I right, yeah. He's that. done great work in Wes Anderson. He was also obviously a highlight of uh, mm-hmm. Life Aquatic. Do you know who stole this good work in Wes Anderson movies? Adrian I Brody. Seen a Life Aquatic yet? Oh my Ooh, good gosh! We, we will do that on this podcast in the new year. I know. I hear only good things. It's it's yeah, one of my favorites. Blue toque. Mm-hmm. It's a red, red toque, toque in the movie, though, right? But I'll, yes. I'll wear it for contrast. I still have it. Mm-hmm. Team Sizzle. Um, but uh, what was I like going to say? The crypt version of Team Sizzle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I watched. Well, the film I watched last night. So I went to Toronto's Secret Underground Cinema, the Trash Palace, last night to watch a very red 16 millimeter print of a teen exploitation film from 1967 called Hot Rods to Hell. Gotta exploit um, those teens. It starred Dana Andrews from Rocky from science fiction double feature show uh, song fame um, as the father who gets in a um, a car accident on Christmas Eve in Boston. Andrews is back and can no longer do his job, which we gathered was driving things somewhere. So then... Uh, they don't need your back for that. A friend of his is just like, hey, how about you buy this motel in the middle of the desert? And his family are like, that sounds like a good idea. So they drive out to this motel in the middle of the desert, and along the way, some some rambunctious teens played by 39-year-olds um, harass them with their hot, fast cars. And their receding hairlines. Exactly. <laughs> um, and they don't care for your rules, old man. Um, it was a fun movie. It was one of those films like the entire time... Bizarre Town. Bizarre Town. It was a movie that didn't care if one shot you were driving in the desert and the next shot you're actually in town and then the shot after that you're back in the desert. Um, it did feature the most rockin' night, like, coffee shop in a motel in the desert I've ever seen, which was this place called the arena which had like a live rock and roll band that just played 24 hours a day non-stop I'm guessing they were all, all on uh, speed at the time um and then it ends with the teens understanding that they just can't like no one dies in the film th- thankfully but the oh no they do 
Sorry, just remembered someone died in it. Um, yeah, it's a fun, <laughs> well, fun there movie. Goes that. I don't, I don't know where you'd see it. This was a like a, a 16 millimeter print from probably from like a, it was probably like a TV edit of it from 1967, 1968. Very, very red, no color. The trailer's online, um, and it was fun seeing Dana Andrews in something that wasn't a um, uh, a reference to runes. Um, Looks like something like something weird would put out, maybe. Yeah, it it does. I just don't know. Like something, it wasn't weird enough for something weird. Like it, it was not. It was a very middle of the road movie. Like and, something middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Something middle of the road. Not offensive and not entertaining. Um. But yeah, it was interesting. I'd say check it out if you get the chance. Um. So with that, has anyone else seen anything else interesting? I uh I took the time today to watch on YouTube the Vincent Price. The uh, Haunting of Hill House, for some reason. The House today. on Haunted Hill. House on Haunted called, Hill, yeah. that's correct. <laughs> nice. Which is based off the same Shirley Jackson book that inspired The Haunting, which is a film that was released just four years later. Yep. Um, this this one is more fun. It's more fun house. Mm-hmm. Um, Vincent Price is, really camps it up, and he's a real jerk, and then he yeah. turns into the hero of the movie, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I know it's uh, it's a really fun movie. It also produced. Turns like, out that his wife uh, his wife plots to kill mm-hmm. him. I think, and yep. I'm like, well, I can see why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you if you saw the 1999 remake starring um, Tay Diggs, Tay Diggs and the Shine guy, um, Jeffrey Rush. Yes, Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> I never did see that. Is that a remake of the Vincent Price? Yes, movie? it is. And okay. it's Catherine Zeta Jones too. Uh, no, that's the Haunting remake with uh, with Qui Gon Jinn Taylor and. Uh, I can't remember anyone. Liam Neeson? Liam Neeson, yeah, that's what I was thinking. In the house on Haunted Hill, there are no actual uh, ghosts, as it turns out. It's all a murder plot. Yes. Yeah, Uh Uh, an elaborate murder plot. And some very spooky caretakers that Mm -hmm. get mistaken for ghosts for a while. In the the remake in 1999, it is... Uh, there are ghosts that show up. It's it's a real like it's it's still one of the most I think fun horror movies of the '90s. You know, it's something we should have probably watched during our '90s in the horror or well, horror we in the '90s. Yeah, back in a little revisit. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, anything uh, else interesting? Uh, that's it for me, mm-hmm. Lillian. Yeah, that's it for me. Cool. Yeah, I, I did a bit of rewatching. Uh, mm-hmm. Freddy Got Fingered, as we all know, is a masterpiece. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but here, here. Uh, also, uh, never gonna watch it on this podcast. Uh, the movie River's Edge in honor of Keanu Reeves dating Helen Mirren. Uh, nice. That has an iconic, uh, very polarizing uh, Crispin Glover performance. That was like the beginning of like Crispin Glover has like gone full weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the diegetic soundtrack is like 90% Slayer. Oh, really? Wasn't Agent Orange also on the... Um, well, Agent yeah. Orange is totally on I the soundtrack. I was Agent yeah. Orange being on yeah. the soundtrack. Yeah. Was that Rain and, Raining Blood Slayer or Die by the Sword no, Slayer? No, this is like pre-Rain and Blood. So Die yeah. by the Sword Slayer. Yeah, this is like Hallowate's yeah. era. Like, okay. It was like when they were still on Metal Blade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, before Rick Rubin uh, managed them to glory. Yeah. I'm a big Slayer fan. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so that and being... a great Dennis Hopper performance. This oh, is like yeah, yeah. around the time of Blue Velvet. And... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was directed by um, one of the main writers of Over the Edge. Mm-hmm. A Matt Dillon and a teen exploitation classic from '79. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, I also saw the Laundromat, the new Steven Soderbergh film. It's quite oh, good. Yeah, it's yeah. good. It's fun. Like it's oh, it, it got yeah, mixed I like that too with uh, Meryl Streep. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It's good. Played a tiff this year. Played a tiff. Very depressing ending though. Basically ends with like we're all screwed. Deal with it. It's better than High Flying Bird, is it? Um, yeah, I I think it's better. Okay, High Flying Bird is pretty good though. Did Soderbergh shoot this on his iPhone as well? No, this was not shot on an iPhone. 
Um, so with that being said, I think it's time that we get into Smoking the Bandit. Oh, yeah. Right. We'll be right back. At last, a warm, sensitive, touching story about the close personal relationship between a man and a woman. Between a trucker and his dog. Fred, I'm so damn tired of picking you up. I got to do Fred. Between a father no way. and his son. No way that you could come from my loins. And how they all took to the road one day for a quiet little drive in the country. From Georgia to Texas and back. In 28 hours flat. With a truckload of bootleg beer. I'll be driving this one. Hey, uh, blocker, blocker. You'll be driving the truck. This is Bandit 1, and that is uh, Bandit 2. <laughs> now, who would do a thing like that? <laughs> be crazy, you know that? Yeah, you know that. <laughs> yes. How much money you say it was? $1,000. Universal presents Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jerry Reed, and Fred. We're going to really have to cook. I mean, put it on the back burner and let's cook. Is that a 10-4? 10-4. And the only thing that stands between them and an $80,000 prize, Jackie Gleason as Sheriff Buford T. Justice. I got a barbecue yard! Bandit, I've got a Smokey report for you. What's your handle, son? My handle is Smokey Bear, and I'm tail-grabbing your ass right now. This is Smokey and the Bandit, the story about a lazy weekend in Alabama, Texas, Mississippi, Arkansas, Georgia. Daddy, the top came off. No. We ain't gonna make it, son. We come this far, ain't we? Look, when we say we're gonna do a job, we do a job? It's me they're after. They don't even know Clint Snow exists. Oh, they don't. Well, now, I'll tell you what we're going to do. <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit, proving once and for all, it's not where you're going to counts. It's who the hell's in back of you. And that was Smokey and the Bandit. <laughs> Hooray! Oh, that was a good one. I love this film. So, guys, your first time seeing it, what are your, like, initial reactions to it? Phil? This was a lot of fun. Kit? Yeah, it's a good time at the movies. Uh, I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. Lillian? Yeah, I chuckled a few times. That was fun. A few times? I think we all had a couple it's good a, laughs. It's like a warm hug of a movie, you know? It's like, uh, it's got a warm feel to it. Well, Bert, kind of like the the message mm-hmm. of the movie is like there are good people all over. Yeah, you know, like it's it's that kind of film. Mm-hmm. The uh, but like good and, and small, the cops are the bad guys, which you know that always piques my interest. Yeah, it's like good <laughs> in small ways where it's like, ah, we'll let you know if there's like a, a police roadblock up ahead, or we'll we'll you know help you out and get a sandwich. Um, Burt Reynolds, they they commit crimes occasionally. For the uh, for the benefit for the of these, not yeah. really. They just kind of like they'll cut off the cops. They'll do things but, that would but, should get them arrested. I guess, if but not really. We live in a society of no. laws. Um, <laughs> we live in a society, George Costanza. <laughs> uh, Burt Reynolds himself described the movie as being. He said it was. It's like a rainy day Sunday afternoon movie. Oh, it very much is. Yeah, you can like, see this on. It's uh, warm. It's comfortable. It's it's nice to watch. I yes. wouldn't even mind commercial breaks in yeah. this one. You'd be like, oh, sweet opportunity for, for me to make a sandwich. I need to grab a Coors Light. 
Yeah. Some banquet beer, yeah. We should have been drinking some uh, Coors Light tonight. I didn't think far enough ahead. He also compared it to Chinese food, where he's like, yeah, in another hour, hour you'll watch another movie. But I do think, like, this film kind of, like, as as humble as, as Bruce, uh, Bruce Willis, as um, Burt <laughs> Bert Reynolds um, came across when promoting this movie, it's it was, like, legitimately the second highest grossing film of 1977 after Star Wars. So, unadjusted for inflation, this is unadjusted, it made over $300 million in the United States alone in 1977. On, like, a $4.5 wow. million budget. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, on... They totaled, like, five cars for it. Well, they only were given four Pontiac Trans Ams, uh. and they were not real Trans Ams on top of it. They were like they attached the new night because like that was 1977 was the first year they introduced that model of Trans Am. So they actually um, put the new tra- the fronts uh, of the of the Trans Ams onto some older Trans Ams and some uh, I think Camaros too. Bullshit! I yeah. feel lied to. Nah. Um, they uh, but uh, it's good bamboozle, I should say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the thing is when this film was was starting uh do we want to go through it like i'll give you should i give you a little bit of knowledge or do we want to like start going through beat by uh, no, beat uh, yeah, lay, lay some knowledge on us i mean the the plot uh we could go through it in a second they it's, drive it's, to texarkana get some they, they get Light offered, banquet beer and turn around and drive yeah back. they got an offer to basically sort of bootleg beer by uh by bringing some beer that isn't Across legal in another line. state yep. um burt reynolds gets this uh, option mm-hmm. he picks up uh, sally field in a wedding dress she was uh running our, away from her wedding a runaway bride a participant in some yeah. sort of hot sh- pursuits uh, a yep. shotgun wedding uh in hot pursuit is her uh yeah, but it wasn't a shotgun wedding because she wasn't pregnant that this is true. This is true. But um, she basically did not want to get married, and they have uh, pursuers, which is the sheriff Buford um, T. Justice and, and his son, son and his failed son, T. Justice Her Jr. rejected father-in-law. Yes, Jr. yes. Uh, they chase after them, and that is the plot, ladies and gentlemen. That mm-hmm. is it. Yep. Uh, they eventually get back to where they're going just in time, um, and uh, on a dare, they decide to go to Boston for clam chowder and to bring be, some clam chowder back in 18 hours from Ella, to from double or nothing the uh, eighty thousand yeah. that they were offered for uh, yeah. for this game. So the whole thing is they are, they are basically the movie starts with a tractor trailer truck carrying 400 cases of Coors Banquet beer over and this, the, this movie you said it wasn't intentionally uh, an ad for Coors but this no. is definitely an ad for Coors this is making Coors seem badass no, 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 as no, hell it's, it's, it's literally based on the fact that like you should not get it still this is product placement it's for not sure. there wasn't product placement at the time to be honest, like after the first ten minutes of the movie I completely forgot what the motivation was for fair, the fair enough yeah. mm-hmm. when Hal Needham was actually writing the screenplay it came across because he, uh, where was he? He was like, it's inf- a guy wearing a random Coors shirt at one point, too. No, that does happen, sure. But people wear beer shirts, all right. It was, it was not product placement, it literally came with the fact you can, again, like you I keep saying, got them in the mail, at you that can't time. get Coors. Like, even or they, they bought so much Coors for the uh, even shoot, they got games with like a yeah. two four, yeah. yeah. Even, <laughs> even like presidents like Gerald Ford and who was the other one in the 70s, like they snuck Richard Nixon, no, but um. Who else was there? It was Gerald Ford and someone in the 60s. Like, they actually, like, snuck beer. Maybe it was Eisenhower? Sparrow no. Agnew? No. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So the movie initially, Hal Needham wanted to do it as, like, a lower-budgeted B-movie for $1 million. And he was friends with Burt Reynolds because he was Burt Reynolds' stunt double for a little while. And uh, basically, Hal Needham realized he was getting too old to do stunts and he wanted to move into directing and he also knew that like as a stuntman he can bring a different level of stunts to to cinema and um 
he kind of on the off chance like was hanging out with Burt Reynolds and said like hey do you want to act in this movie that I wrote and he gave Burt Reynolds the script because initially Jerry Reed who plays Snowman in the film who also wrote and sang most of the songs on the soundtrack soundtrack is just lovely by the way yeah 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 um he was going to star as the bandit and they uh, basically Burt Reynolds read the script said it was the worst thing he'd ever like read but he'll do it because he was just friends with Hal Needham and like no the studios didn't really want to do it it was Universal that eventually financed it but the interesting thing is that they for a big film at the time with stars like Burt Reynolds and Sally Field um, and the lead and Jackie Gleason like these were all big stars and Burt Reynolds at the time was the biggest movie star in the world he um they were just like, ah, well, we'll give you five million dollars, and and they were like, all right, we can we can do it for that because Hal Needham knew like what it would take to make things work on time. Then the week before they were going to start shooting, they cut a million dollars from the budget. Oh yeah. So they only had four million to make it on. You gonna say something, Kit, before I cut you off? Oh no, I'm just uh, thinking about the dialogue of the film, which is like a good seventy percent of it is this trucker jargon, which. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it makes sense, but also just like it's like French. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> what's it? It's like keep your wheels spinning and the be- beavers grinning. Well, I'll pipe some in here uh, at, at this point so the uh, listeners know what we're talking about. But it's 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 just some weird nonsense. It's like a slang thing for everything. Like, are you heeing and sheeing or were you puking and choking? No, no, it's a choking <laughs> puke. So any place that's like a like a gas station truck stop is called a choking puke. Uh, I don't know why. They call the police. Kinky. They call <laughs> police officers and highway patrolmen Smokies after Smokey the Bear. The title, yeah. So it's Smokey and the Bandit, and um, everyone's got a handle. So, like for instance, Burt Reynolds is Bandit. Uh, Jerry Reed is uh, Snowman. Sally and, Field becomes Frog yep, before long because she hops around. Um, and she's cute as a frog, as we learn. Yep. Uh, that uh, Burt Reynolds' character is sexually attracted to frogs. And he wants to jump her. Or should she jump in? Like, he, he says it a couple times, yeah. yeah. He He's very into jumping. But I don't think he meant jump as in, in a uh, as a euphemism for the act of love. Oh, no, they wanted to smash. But I think it was, <laughs> I think it was, it was kind of like his, like, I'll jump you, like, you know. No, I, I think uh, jumping mm-hmm. was like, I would like to have sex with you. Yeah, we should talk about the soundtrack. So Jerry Reed, the, most of this movie, most of the dialogue was improvised through rehearsals, like, on the day. It's also, we should point out that 90% of this movie takes place in moving vehicles, which must have been incredibly difficult for such a lower-budgeted film. Even in the 70s, a budget of $4 million was not. And you gotta it remember... It looks great. The, uh, the shots in the moving vehicles yeah. are great. Oh, yeah. It's like, you can tell they did everything, actually. There was no, uh, from what I understand, no rear screen projection, no process shots, so, like, everything was done either on the, the back of a flatbed. There's this whole sequence mm-hmm. where, uh, Sally Field and Burt Reynolds are, oh, I see they're on the flatbed, that makes sense, yeah. but they're, uh, doing the, um, the Trying driver to... switcheroo, and yeah, they yeah, fail yeah. it three times. Oh, my yeah. God, you guys are wearing the same color. Well, snap. I just noticed that. Yeah. Me and Phil are matching on this podcast, just for you, listeners, just for you guys. <laughs> In this audio podcast that the listeners it, can't It creates see. a better sound when colors are matching, Graham. Sure. <laughs> that came across, listeners, but there you have it. But uh, let's talk about Burt Reynolds' costume, which is probably the most classic, iconic Burt Reynolds costume ever. The uh, red, red shirt, shirt. Uh, blue with jeans. The blue, like bright blue jeans, though, yep. not faded blue. Yep. Like this bright is blue. bright, bright blue, cowboy belt, uh, cowboy like hat, belt blue, bucket. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cowboy hat, cowboy boots. If you were gonna like, the end. if you wear that as a Halloween costume, people are like, oh, you're. You're the bandit. Yeah. There's a there's a part where you do need the stash. The snowman, snowman. Um, 
so Sally and Bert are walking away. We see both their asses, and the snow, snowman says, nice ass. And he whispers he goes, it, too. Hey, bandit. And bandit goes, what? Right, he says, hey, bandit, nice ass. And you really got to wonder. I mean, we're supposed to think he meant Sally's ass, but you really got to wonder. Because <laughs> both their asses Bert's, were looking very they, nice. They were both looking great. Yeah. We, sh- we should also point out that uh, Burt Reynolds brought Sally Field to the film. She Initially, they didn't want to cast her because the producer said, oh, she's not sexy. And Burt Reynolds was like, what do you mean? She's talented. Talent is sexy. And the interesting thing is that like she just was not the traditional... I guess sex symbol, whatever. Probably at the time, whatever the mm-hmm. flavor was. Yeah. But uh, come on, this is classic Sally Field. Yeah, yeah. She, you know, I can. Uh, I have no shame in saying she. She was a very, very attractive woman in this. The interesting thing as well about the relationship between Burt Reynolds and Sally Field in this film is that they're kind of on the same level. Like because they're from different worlds. Like she's the East Coast liberal arts person, and he's the down south. I don't want to say redneck because there's definitely a line in the sand between in the southerners in this film between like older generations redneck racism and modern generations kind of like everyone's got to get along to get he along he does have a rebel flag on his uh, does, license yeah. plate but we suspect mm-hmm. that he's just a leonard skinnerd fan probably yeah everyone had those <laughs> those flags back then on their on their cars tom petty was guilty of it and apologized later yeah I'm sure Burt Reynolds was, was around, like still around right now. He would probably be like, because he did he die before? No, he died this Wait, year. When they did the uh, Dukes of Hazard uh, reboot with Johnny Knoxville, it was uh, still they, they still put rebel it on, flag. But the interesting thing, Confederate flag. Let's not. They weren't. It wasn't the rebel flag. It was the Confederate flag. The Confederacy of the United States. Um, right. But uh, the interesting thing is, so in the 1990s, they did two Dukes of Hazard reunion TV movies. I sort and, of vaguely remember those. And one of them, which starred Cynthia Rothrock from, uh, we've never done this. Who's a Flintstone character. No, she's actually like a world famous martial artist. She was in. We uh, have done. Tiger Claws. Yeah, Tiger Claws. That's what I have seen her in. She was in Tiger Claws. Um, Cynthia? Yep. Rothrock. Rothrock, yeah. Yeah. She was in the Canadian portion of Kung Fu movies from countries that don't produce Kung Fu. Um, Tiger Claws, starring Jalal Mirhi. But so in the. High studios are high in the sky. High in the sky. High in the sky studios. Well, I forgot to mention that I watched yep. Videodrome last week. Oh man, that's oh, yeah. way off topic. Mm-hmm. But man, talk about a movie that really represents yeah. Toronto well. That movie stinks of Toronto. Um, not that Toronto stinks. No, but it's such an ugly film, but like in a really cool Great, way. Yeah. But that's that's to me like Toronto as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah. Back to my point about the um, so the Dukes of Hazard TV reunion movies. They actually removed the Confederate flag from the top of the General Lee. And the cast members were a little like, oh, come on, people are way too PC. And this is back in like 96, When 97. PC was uh, Bill Maher with his politically incorrect show. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh. And <laughs> when they did the Johnny Knoxville, Sean William Scott reboot. Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot Sean William Scott was yep. the other guy. <laughs> um, with Willie Nelson. Yeah, Willie Nelson is Uncle Jesse and Burt Reynolds. Jessica Simpson. Yep, and that's right. Burt Reynolds played Boss Hogg in the film as well. Oh, my God, yes, he did. Yep. It was some unique casting because a lot of people attribute uh, the Dukes of Hazzard getting greenlit to the success of this movie because in it they drive a Trans Am, the general, no, not a Trans Am, but a something, hmm? GM. GM. Some, some sort of Pontiac oh, oh, car. sorry, the sports car, never mind. Yeah, some it's got, a, it's got a big eagle on the uh, on the hood. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a Trans Am. Uh, it's a Firebird. A lot of people attribute um, the Dukes of Hazard getting greenlit to the success of this film because it kind of kicked off a wave of 
Trucker and very, very briefly from like basically I would say 77 oh. when this one came out until like maybe 82 or 83. Also like sort of like a weird like anti-cop thing, which is strange for like a southern like almost good old boy type thing where it's like, well, they're about freedom. Kind of anti-cop, anti-law. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got the same sort of character uh, with Jackie Gleason and Boss Hogg and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. They're the long arms of the law. Just trying to... Because the whole point of like all these films is like they're just some good old boys just trying to do what they just, do. Just trying to get and by, they're not, man. They're not, they're not hurting no one. They're just, you know, out there driving their cars and yeah. putting, you know, nearly running Discovered over a bunch America. of... Yeah. Just running over those uh, empty bridges there. Yeah. I mean, the... the, the well, like, they, they, they was like, yeah. we jumped over that bridge. I'm like, no, you didn't. There was no bridge there. That was the point. That's yeah. why I had to jump. My favorite thing is Burt Reynolds' reaction because Sally Field is like super jazzed by the fact that she that they jumped over the bridge whereas he's petrified because he's like, that should not have worked. When, <laughs> I thought we were about to die. Because when she's like, like, we just jumped over the bridge. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Like, Let's jump over a house. He's like, ah. She got very jazzed about it. That, yeah. that almost sounds like Norm Macdonald's Burt Reynolds. Eh? That's whenever I think of doing Burt Reynolds, <laughs> I have to, you gotta do, yeah, you gotta do, um, yeah, the gum chewing, yeah, yeah, the gum chewing, and yeah, Norm what do you like? <laughs> and finally, back again, Burt Reynolds in a commanding lead with fourteen dollars. Hey, hey, uh, check out the podium. Look at this. Mr. Reynolds has apparently changed his name to Turd Ferguson. Yeah, that's right. Turd Ferguson. It's a funny name. <laughs> I did love how in the show My Name is Earl, they actually had uh, Norm Macdonald played an impersonation of Burt Reynolds as like the owner of, the, of a strip club there. And then they did a scene where his father died, and they actually brought in Burt Reynolds to play the father of Norm Macdonald's Burt Reynolds impersonation. It was really great. So let's uh, mm-hmm. let's talk about uh, Jackie Gleason's performance as Buford T. Buford Justice. T. Justice. What, yeah. what, what did you what did you all think? I loved it. Good good cop performance. Good. Well, the, uh, here's the interesting thing: the other cops don't like him because he's clearly like just uh, a crazy man drunk on power. Yes, yes. Like, but no, they all like they all kind he's, of. He's all he's out of state too. Yeah, they all kind of bow to him. Like he he really berates that one yeah. uh, that one state trooper and punches him in the chest with his finger a bunch of times yeah. mm-hmm. and the guy's just shaking in his boots like oh whatever exactly. you want sir exactly because he's got that old like like southern like I ran with Tom Horn and took out Jesse the Kid or something there was a there was a scene and we've we've folks we've we've watched a lot of horror movies some some pretty <laughs> gory stuff on this podcast before and Lillian is uh, never usually phased but there was a scene where uh, Jackie Gleason as a uh, Buford T. Justice is eating a sandwich and talking with his mouth wide open. And Lillian just, she put her hands up. She could not look at the screen. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was just so messy. He had like sauce all over. And it reminded me of that Patrick Swayze movie uh, we watched on the roller skates. Oh, Skate Town USA. Yeah. There was a scene, a similar scene like that where someone was eating and like someone else, and then like spitting and talking and they just looked really gross. And, it's it's yeah. done for laughs, but it is a pretty gross scene because it's uh, always I, gross. I thought you were going to call me out on just laughing every time he would roll his eyes at his son or something, <laughs> you know, like you're just so funny. His fail son is pretty yeah. good. It's like a mix between, I think we said Timothy Dalton. Son, yeah. Timothy Dalton, Joaquin Phoenix, yes. Peter Gallagher. Maybe Peter Gallagher mixed in there. And a hint there. of Tony Hale from Arrested Development. <laughs> 
And because, but he hates his son so much. Like he's, he's like, the, uh, the wrong there's no he's way the... that you came from my loins. It's so shocking. When we go home tonight, I'm going to punch your mama right in the mouth. He does say these lines. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, and as you point out, he's super racist at one point. Uh, he calls, there's the sheriff of another county that he's in. He's like, boy, where's the sheriff? And it's a black man. Yeah. Which is why he calls him boy. So it's it's that and the sheriff kind of- is just and the sheriff the black sheriff like points to himself. He's like I'm the sheriff, and he's like, ha you'll have to excuse me. On the radio, you sounded taller, <laughs> which he means whiter. Yeah, and then he turned around to his son and said, "What in, is this world coming to?" He doesn't he doesn't speak with that kind of accent, but he does. He has uh, some interesting. He says the sum of bitch. Which is, uh, I guess he kind of coined that in a way. Not well, really, but the, the story popularized that, it. The story that Burt Reynolds tells is that like his, when he was talking with Jackie Gleason about the character early on, uh, Jackie Gleason found out that Burt Reynolds' father was a cop. And I think I told this story in the intro, but it turns out we were, I'm corrected now by the actual Burt Reynolds when we watched some of the behind the scenes. And he said, Burt Reynolds said like, the interesting thing is this guy that his father used to deal with did not say son of a bitch. He said... Some bitch. So it's some S-U-M-B-I-T-C-H. Bitch. It's like some bitch out there? No, no. Like, like he meant son of a bitch, but... He just said it. Some bitch. Okay. Yeah. It's like one of my co- my take, cousins take when, I, when he was a kid. Yeah. Uh, when, I, when we were kids, um, one of my cousins, like, he wouldn't say... He used to say, you, you suffer S-O-V-O-N-A, you son a bitch. Son um, a bitch? And we were just no, like, that's, that's not what he's like. I'm like, and we're like, what do you think you're saying? He's like, you know, when you want to insult someone, you, you tell them they're a son a bitch. And I'm like, you mean son of a bitch? And he's like, oh, that makes way more sense. <laughs> no, just like his disdain and just constant anger, um, especially brought on by his son. Uh-huh. <laughs> I believe he calls a moose prick at one time or... Moose. I call him every kind of prick. I Pile even heard schnauzer nuts. prick, schnauzer dick or something. What do you call him? Possum something? Oh, I forget that one. I didn't write that one down. I wrote down oh. pile of monkey nuts and moose prick. <laughs> moose prick, pile of monkey. Yeah. And so, you some of bitches couldn't close an umbrella, which was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, like when basically um, what happens is the police are like hold, doing a roadblock and... Um, and the bandit just blows through it, and they're like, oh, my God, like, he totally, like, broke our roadblock. And they're like, you some bitches couldn't close an umbrella. He also, when he mm-hmm. has to go to the washroom, he's like, I gotta go squat. Where's the can here, sweetie? <laughs> I gotta take a squat. <laughs> this is during the disgusting sa- a Diablo sandwich, which I don't even know what that means. I guess it's like a spicy I sandwich. I think it's like a burger with a dash of sloppy joe on top. It sounds delicious Solid the way you're describing and it. It all winds up on his shirt. And his mouth. Yeah. It's and hands. Just to the max. He also yeah. uh, accuses someone of being poontanged at one point. Which oh, is like, you oh, poontanged? <laughs> Wait, isn't that, isn't that when he, uh, That's very early he on walks out <laughs> and doesn't he have the toilet paper stuck to his glasses? He does somehow does have, have the yeah. toilet paper. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah, it's very very. He he's a he's a force of nature. I actually don't think so much that I think Buford T. Justice in this movie hates existence like in total because anyone he encounters he dislikes. He berates his own son constantly. The whole he's reason he's not a happy man. The whole reason they're pursuing this is because Sally Field was set to marry his son, he but just she ran to away. His son, he's sick of him. And he was just like, no one insults me on my son's wedding day. Like to him, it's a big like an affront to him that he. That uh, Sally Field took off on his son. So it's meanwhile he's he's driving around in this car. There's that one stunt um, where they um, 
the there's this uh, truck that appears mm-hmm. with a wire underneath, and uh, Burt Reynolds and Sally Field. Sally Field's driving at the moment. Yeah, they manage to uh, they avoid manage, it. They just drive around it. We're like, oh, yeah. no, and they just drive around it. Because it looks like they're going to go under it and get their heads cut off. But no, they just wisely drive around it. But the sheriff's car does not see it and just slides right underneath. And you can see the stunt there's guy. There's a stunt guy driving a car <laughs> as the top gets sliced off by a wire underneath this truck. It's pretty wild. It is. The, the stunts in this are incredibly dangerous. Like, most of the movie, they're driving 120 kil- miles an hour. Sorry, I almost said kilometers. 120 miles an hour. Um, and there's one stunt, actually, where the person driving Sheriff T. Bu- Buford T. Justice co- cop car tries to pull around uh, Jerry Reed, who's driving in what's called Bandit 2. So the, there's the two cars. The Trans Am is Bandit 1, and so, the tractor-trailer truck is Bandit 2. Uh, for, for any audience members um, uh, unfamiliar with the movie, what's what's their basic grift, the Bandit so the, pur- the purpose is Bandit 1, which is the Trans Am, which is incredibly fast, like a very high-horsepower vehicle, driven by Burt Reynolds, who is established in the opening scene, opening scene as being a like an amazing driver like he has won all kinds of tractor trailer competitions he is known for pulling off the craziest like short term like we gotta pick up this thing in this place and get it to this place in no time like they're only given 28 hours to drive from atlanta georgia all the way down to texarkana texas pick up this beer turn around and drive back and it's an insane like stunt like no one can legitimately do it and how do they pull it off or ryan gosling and drive yeah yeah that's right or, or Paul Walker, again, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Um, how And basically the whole purpose of Burt Reynolds and Bandit 1, the Trans Am, is he's driving ahead of him. So normally there's a, an expression that was taught to me called bird dogging, where you find someone that's driving like crazy on the highway and you stay just behind them, but you're still speeding so that they bird dog for you. They, fl- they, they like the, a, the cops are going to go for they them. They flush out all the cops and like attract them all, which allows you to avoid getting caught. So in this case, Burt Reynolds basically drives ahead of the ahead of the tractor trailer carrying all the Coors Banquet beer and will attract and distract the cops. And because he's driving such a high-performance vehicle and he's such a high-performance driver, he will be able to eventually lose the cops and He can always and escape the back. cops, no problem. Yeah. And so at a certain point when Buford T. Justice is pursuing the bandit, he pulls around the tractor trailer truck, which throughout the entire movie, no one, none of the police understand that, it's, that the tractor trailer truck is containing these 400 cases of, uh, of course, light. Of course, light. Well, it's course banquet. <laughs> or that okay. they're together. Or that they're together. Exactly. Did nobody report the missing course light? They, no. Well, they were going to pay for it. I think. Yeah, okay. Also, it's like it's the entire time period is so compressed that I'm sure that that probably what happened in Texarkana was they assumed, oh, hey, someone broke in and stole this beer. It's got to be it's still in town. Not that a tractor trailer truck would come and load or they, it up. Or they did it on like a Saturday morning yeah. and they've got till Monday to, before, anyone before it's detected. It's, yeah. So this car, so the, the stuntman driving Buford T. Justice car tries to get around the tractor trailer truck and they actually come into contact with each other and it's insane because this is a two real vehicles on a real road. Clearly driving. Like clearly going, driving, going, going at least speeds, 90 miles yeah. an hour each. And at a certain point, the the whole thing is that the 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 Buford T Justice car is supposed to come out, go around the tractor trailer truck, and then pull back into the lane in front of it. He like tap the taps the the tra- tractor trailer truck, briefly skids out, turns sideways, and gets smashed with the grill like the front of the tractor trailer truck, and going uh, well, I think they were saying 50 miles an hour, which is like 80 kilometers an hour which is still crazy fast so that was an accident they that was an accident that, that was not supposed to happen and they were like we got to use this because yeah, nobody died exactly thankfully no one died it's just one of those things like when you hear about movies in the late 70s when car stunts were becoming a thing 
uh, becoming a big selling point of movies like you like every the Blues Brothers really Blues out. Brothers yeah. or um, the Driver the Driver or oh, was, or Vanishing or um, Vanishing Point and I was going to say Dirty French, Mary Crazy Larry French Connection as well had a had a crazy um, car Bullet. chase Bullet but Bullet was on closed roads but oh, okay. but the the interesting thing though is all these directors of these car chase movies said I would never do it again. Like, they all do one car chase movie, and then I'm like, we're out. Um, interestingly, I don't really think Hal Needham went on to do... What else? He did He did Cannonball Run, didn't he? Let me look yep. up his... Both did, Cannonball Runs, like Stroke Race. Yeah, he also did Megaforce, which was a sci-fi film, which did not do so well, unfortunately. Is that a future DBV episode? Megaforce. Possibly. It's a short movie. It, it's all right. It's got Barry Bosbuck in it, which is pretty awesome. It's got a great yeah. trailer where... Barry? Mm-hmm. Is it okay, Barry? Yeah, he's Barry Boswick from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Do you know, do you know some uncool Brad. berries? Well, I know Graham doesn't like berries. I think the name Barry... Like, More or less. Anyone with the name of Barry always winds up being a dope. Uh, and so we should we should talk about how, how... Yeah, like, I mean, the film is one long car chase with some romance dragged in. I, I made a joke early on that basically um, everybody in the country saw Star Wars... Uh, and my joke was, well, women went to go see Smokey and the Bandit. And why? It's like, because Burt Reynolds was the he's, he's mega He's a thirst trap. Come on. Yeah. And Sally Field was the, I guess... Like, girl next door girl kind next of. Door, um, but, but still sexy. And she was the, like, I want to say she was the thinking man's uh, sex symbol, I guess. Okay. Yeah, sure. And, like, she, it's like kind of like, oh, like this is a nice little, like, people are from different worlds are attracted to one another. And they form a, a romance and it's actually like they actually just don't pay lip service to like because they kind of like natter back and forth and they flirt a little bit and then they have this moment where uh snowman needs to um basically gas up the truck so they have 20 minutes to kind of stop and take a walk and they do this it's a really great scene where where she's just like so do we have anything in common like have you ever seen a broadway musical and he's like no she's like do you like elton john and he's like no and then he starts naming off like country singers and and football players and she's like, oh, he's a bas- baseball player, right? And he's like, ah, close. <laughs> and then it's just kind of like they have this moment where they're like both like leaning over a, uh, a small bridge, like over a stream, and they're kind of looking over it. And she kind of points out, do you ever take off your hat? And he's like, oh, I only do it for one thing. It is an icing. It is. And with a great song by Jerry Reed. Like, the, all the songs in the soundtrack are killer. And they smooch up a storm after yeah, that. Yeah, they smooch. They had like six minutes, unless you know he was quite quick. Well, as we've pointed out, there's a uh, there's a smashing uh, afterglow uh, after with the two actors after that scene, and, and we think you know to quote the to quote Sally the, Field and Burt Reynolds were two uh, two big actors at the time, and uh, to quote they were an item. And in the after uh, in the the footage of him just mm-hmm. describing her. Um, it, this is uh, mid-aughts Burt Reynolds when he's dyeing his hair and his mustache. And he eyes. actually was has been bald since. He, it, he's always yeah. wearing a wig, by the way. And his, his face is stretched thin. Um, but he's just talking about Sally Field, clearly still in love. Just yeah, totally. Well, they, they they dated during the filming, and then he married Lonnie Anderson. Oh, you can tell. You can tell they dated. And during there, the filming. there's actually like been talk that like they both never got over each other, but it was the fact that they were so different from each other that uh, that that they couldn't make it work. Sadly. And then Lonnie Anderson came along. With Damn a, her! With her WK and KRP in Cincinnati vibes. Wasn't she married to... No. Mm-hmm. But... Billy Joel? No, as, I'm thinking of somebody else. As per... Christine Brinkley, maybe. Christy Brinkley. But, but Kit, as to your whole, like, they've got a healthy glow afterwards, you're like, oh, it's a smashing glow. I would like to quote... <laughs> I would like to quote the 20th century poet Huey Lewis. 
and saying, that's just the power of love. Hey man, they, they I guarantee you. Power of love includes smashing. They were smashing in those trailers between scenes. Why wouldn't you? It'd be so fun. We're not talking about the behind the scenes. We're talking about <laughs> the film. The okay, story okay. of the film. It gets, gets get conveyed in the film. Oh, it does. You know they had fun really gets when they had along. to switch seats while driving. Oh yeah. It's fun. I'm saying Sally Fields let smash face is so genuine in that film. It's fantastic. Yeah, it is. I hate you guys so much. Um, <laughs> we just love their love. We're, yeah, we're yeah, here yeah. for it. We're mm -hmm. here for it. Mm -hmm. um, what was I going to say? So, um, another thing I wanted to point out is that we have Paul Williams in this film. Of course, Paul Williams, Kate was like, who's that guy? I'm like, well, he was in Fan of the Paradise. He, Which death? Oh, my God. Fan of the Paradise is so good. We'll watch this on this. It's a Fox movie that Disney is like putting into the vault, unfortunately. Um, but, um, he was in Fan of the Paradise. He wrote some of the music for Fan of the Paradise. He also wrote a bunch of songs by the Carpenters. He wrote the songs for the Muppets, including Rainbow Connection. The Phantom of the Paradise That's is gone. Andrew Lloyd Webber, and you're wrong. <laughs> um, and actually, Fan of actually the Paradise... Actually a good soundtrack, <laughs> Phantom of the Paradise came out before Phantom of the Opera. Um, but I, I actually like the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack, so, meh. Um... It's got one good song, I think. Yeah, the Phantom of the Opera song. <laughs> Everything <laughs> else is kind of just like, eh. It's pretty trash. It's like Cats. It has one good song, and that's what you wait for. The, um, Moonlight. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, I know. Um, but I do have to say... Hey, wait, isn't that film still coming out this December? Moonlight. It's memories, actually. Memories. Andrew Lloyd is usually good for one good song per musical. Yeah. Except for Jesus Christ Superstar. That that was awesome. And Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Name a song out of that one. Nobody can. Yeah. But Jesus Christ Superstar. That's got some hits. What's the buzz? Superstar. And all right, anyway, anyway. Um, back to this film that's not a musical. Um, it could be. Tiny Tim covered a Paul Williams song. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Paul, yeah, Paul Williams has done a lot, and he, uh, for people that have not seen any of those old movies, he was also in a bunch of the Planet of the Apes films, and he was, he, he was one of the co-writers of Daft Punk's Random Access Memories, um, because they, they actually sampled a lot of his work from the 70s, and took a, and he collaborated with them to to make that that album that's uh i think it's their best album to be it's honest it's not a bad album of the uh, of the homework forever mm -hmm. <laughs> okay uh is that the one with um defunk defunk yeah that and is a good song around the world, the world is a good song I remember somebody uh, in our art class in high school, um, you could bring music, and it was always the skater kids who would just take over that role. They would just convince the other nerdy kids to let them... <laughs> so it was a lot of, like, Beastie Boys and stuff, but I did hear the entire of uh, the entirety of that Daft Punk album, uh, Homework, which is pretty good. Back to Smoking the Bandit. Um, yeah, I like this film a lot. I mean... The plot is they and they succeed in the end. They actually get the bear from Texarkana back to Atlanta. It's fun. So, so many doubts, guys. well, tell me quickly, because uh, what? Mm -hmm. wh so, what are the sequels about? The second one, they're transporting an elephant. So the second one actually starts. Sounds uh, awful. So the the I know it was it was not very good. I, I even as a kid, I'm like, this isn't isn't that good. So why didn't they just continue to get the clam chowder? That, that would have been, been an smart, awesome but they but they didn't do it. So here's what happens: Smokey and the Bandit two at the start of it. Bandit's a drunk. No! And and Cletus Snowman is the one that has to get them, like, get them back together. And Sally Field's character, Frog, 
is back in Texarkana getting married to Buford T. Justice no, Jr. And she runs stupid. away again. I don't like this. Why is she marrying that guy? I don't like, know. Their, their, their roof got ripped off. They had a great like, sequel set up. Dad, Was Bert getting gone. drunk off his own supply? <laughs> I think he was getting drunk on... I know. I think he was getting drunk on Coors Banquet Beers. Yeah, yes. that's what I'm saying, yeah. Awful. I'm very angry. Let's never watch that on this pod. part of the joke. And in Smokey and the Bandit 3... Initially, Smoking the Bandit 3 was actually titled Smokey is the Bandit with Jackie Gleason playing dual roles as a new bandit and as Buford T. Justice. Awful. However, it didn't test well, so they wound up bringing in Jerry Reed to play the bandit this time. I don't like it. So Snowman becomes the bandit. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's not as good a movie at all. came out in 1980. It only made $66 million. That's number two. Number That's two, number two, yeah. and and it had a budget that was over. That was, um, let's see, the first one was four million, four times three. It was basically four times over four times. The see, budget and the what happens one. when you have four times the budget? Not mm -hmm. as magical things, right? Yeah, yeah. You've got a number two. Movie. Oh my god! So the whole point of the, the whole plot of the second one, which I didn't remember from being a child, is it centers on the bandit and snowman transporting an elephant to the GOP national convention. Oh no! <laughs> it's it's a 1980, movie. and Ronald Reagan it's is a in power. It's a Reagan movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh god. And what? Mm. Did him and Sally fall in love again and do the whole hat thing? I think it was a different hat thing, but they were. They definitely got back together. They definitely like fell in love again because I think what happens is. This is what broke <sighs> up Burt Reynolds and Sally Field. Yeah, this is from why they I, couldn't from, be together. From what I recall. Bandit's drunk, and Snowman goes to be like, "Hey, man, you got We gotta get back at it." And Bandit is basically like, "I miss Frog." And then uh, I think they go and they actually break up the wedding, and and she runs away with him again, and that sets I the whole this. thing off again. I hate this. Well, you're gonna hate it even more when we watch it next week. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not watching it next week. Um, it's Smokey and the Bandit month. Yeah. Oh wow, Cletus officers five officer. $50,000 to ditch the wedding and come help out the bandit. And she then becomes a runaway blind. Hmm. Oh, frustrating. But I actually think, I actually, if I remember correctly, at the end of it, Burt Reynolds decides not to give the elephant to the GOP convention. Oh, he has principles. I, I think he kind of like does a U-turn. I think kind of like how when... Um, is Reagan a Democrat? Was Reagan, when Reagan was like, put like using all those like popular movie stars like he was referencing Dirty Harry and stuff like all these Hollywood movies I guess Burt Reynolds was the guy who was like not gonna happen this time partner I'd like to think that yeah I like to don't know if it's true but I like to think it um I mean have you guys seen many other Burt Reynolds movies other than I guess Boogie Nights would probably be the one we've all seen Cop and a Half oh, friggin striptease <laughs> oh god <laughs> I mean, from the good period. I have not, unfortunately, except for Deliverance. I saw Deliverance as well. Um, I want to say, but I was thinking, like, well, I've seen Runaway. I'm like, wait, that was um, Magnum P.I. I he was good in Striptease, so wasn't he? No, that movie was not good at all. I know, that movie is not good, but didn't, uh, as a senator, as the corrupt, uh, horny senator? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, let's just go through his, his filmography quickly. I mean, he started off doing theater initially. That's actually how he went through school. Um, his career goes back to 1961 with the film Angel Baby. He did an early spaghetti western, uh, Navajo Joe, which is what um, 
a lot of, which is what uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character in, um, whatchamacallit, Once Upon a Time in the West, his spaghetti western, sorry, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his spaghetti western that he does is heavily modeled on uh, Navajo Joe. Um, oh, we're forgetting, uh, we're mm-hmm. neglecting one major character in this movie. Who is that? Fred. Oh, Fred the dog, yeah. The Basset Hound, that looked like he was 700 years old and about he, to die. He looks like he's about to die, his tongue is sticking yeah. out the entire film. He was Snowman's pet dog, who he, like, basically was his co-pilot the entire time. And there's this wonderful scene where he's like, Ah, I'm, I'm stuck right here, I, I, can't, I can't move. And then we look, and then it's like... The dog is just swimming, he's just having a swim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they stop, they kind of stop to stretch their legs, and then... The dog refuses to, to get back in the thing, and he's like, You're ruining this for me! I can't, I let, I'll leave you, I swear I'll leave you! And then the dog finally comes back. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> Um, I mean, he, uh, Burt Reynolds was also in the original Longest Yard, playing the role yep. that Adam Sandler he in, would do. Well, he was and in he the was in sequel, remake, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He, uh, was in, I think it was, oh, what was the musical he was in? He was in, uh... The Peter Bogdanovich movie. Yeah, what was that, A Long Last Love? Or, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, he was also in, uh, Semi Tough, uh, he was in Gator, which apparently was a movie that, uh, people really liked. That's, uh... He also directed Gator, too. Isn't that the one with, um... Robert Forster as well. That's Alligator. Ah. Also did the best little whore house in Texas with Dolly Parton. Yeah. He did indeed. I forgot about that one. Isn't that a musical as well there? I think so. He, yeah, it is. Yeah, I thought so. He also starred in the Cannibal Run by his buddy Hal Needham. Did you say Cannibal Run? I said the Cannonball Run. Okay. Which is kind of the same. It's basically, it's uh, Bubblegum uh, Run. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a real life version of this too. He was in Stroker Ace, which is another Hal Needham film about a NASCAR driver. He was uh, briefly in Smoking the Bandit 3 as a cameo as the real bandit when someone's like, there he is, there's the bandit. And they lay their hands on him and they turn around and it's Burt Reynolds. It's like, no, not this one. And they go and tra- chase Awful, awful. Yeah. Um, he did, what was the film he did? Uh, City Heat, which was a comedy co-starring Clint Eastwood. Because I know he also did, oh, it was Malone. That's the one. So, basically, in the 80s, um, Clint Eastwood started doing the Burt Reynolds. He did a movie with, like, the Burt Reynolds-style character, which I forget what the movie was. But, like, you know, the jokey, easygoing guy. And Burt Reynolds was like, you do that, I'm going to do one of like you. Like, any which way but loose something or something? like that, yeah. He basically did the... And, or any which way you can. A chimpanzee. Yeah. It's Burt Reynolds and a monkey. So, he did the film Malone, which was his version of Dirty Harry. And apparently... Um, it got rave reviews at the time. Uh, it did not great financially, but it was apparently really, really well-received critically. Sounds like a uh, great film for a future pod episode. Yep. Then he did Rent-A-Cop. Um, I feel like there was some family films in there, too. All Dogs Go to Heaven. Oh, there you go. And uh, he had a cameo in Robert Altman's The Player. Of course, he was in the aforementioned Cop and a Half. He was in Citizen Ruth, which is uh, the first Alexander Payne. Movie. Yeah, first I forgot about first Citizen movie. Ruth. The Good aforementioned performance in that one. Yeah. The sadly aforementioned uh, striptease. He was in uh, the Mr. Bean movie, Bean. Boogie Nights, though. He must have had a, re- a little career resurgence after Boogie he, Nights. He, Did he get nominated for that one? Yes, I, it got yeah. him nominated because he saw the movie. He got into lots of fights with Paul Thomas Anderson on set. And then he... Um, he wound up... After he saw the movie, he fired his agent because he didn't... He didn't like it. He well, was he like... Well, the thing is, I think he was under the impression that there wouldn't be as much actual sex in the movie. Like it was Paul Thomas Anderson was not a name at the time either. He'd no. done uh, Heart Eight, and that was it. Yeah. Um, 
And he did the Dirk Diegler story, the uh, the document, the faux documentary that right, inspired right, right, right. Yeah, it's the one that everybody saw. Yeah. Um, so uh, not really. I mean, he was in the film Mystery Alaska. He, so he was in big films after that, but not good films. Not good films. He, was in, he did think, not hire a better agent, obviously. I think the crew, I just don't think he knew how to pick movies anymore because no. I think he was in some change, straight to DVD releases too. He, well, I think. He was when in, I was wearing I a blockbuster, I remember he a was couple. In Universal, the first Universal Soldier 2 or Universal Soldier 3 where he was, which was a straight to cable sequel to the Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, what's, who's the, the blonde guy? Dolph Lundgren? Dol- Dolph Lundgren movie. Classic. My God, how could you forget the name of Dolph Lundgren? Easily, apparently. Um, yeah, he... Oh, you are hungover. Um, yeah, my head's foggy. Graham is wearing a kick-ass Canon film sweater right now, actually, by the way. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he did a bunch of crap. He was in Not Another, Not Another movie. Which, eh. A lot of stuff that doesn't have Wikipedia pages. Um, I feel like he was up for a lot of the same roles that Dabney Coleman would have been up for around that time. Probably. <laughs> the, like, he Sylvester did. Stallone failed comeback mm-hmm. movie, Driven. Yeah, he was oh, in that. Yeah. He, uh, most recently... Toronto. I, I remember I, that, the race car movie. His his last film, or one of his last films, the one he, was, he got the best reviews for, was a movie called The Last Movie Star, which was directed by Adam Rifkin, who directed uh, Psycho Cop 2 under a pseudonym, Riff Coogan. Um, and that the the film was a kind of like a, a drama a dramedy about a uh, a washed up movie star who is offered a, a lifetime achievement award from a film festival, and he gets like tricked into go not tricked into going but like his agent's like oh like all these people get it you should go and accept it and it turns out that it's this like legitimately tiny 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 film festival run by like film students, and he's basically just like driven around all throughout the student by like a, a volunteer of the festival and they kind of bond and he kind of gets to enjoy people that actually enjoy his craft because he's unable to do his craft anymore which i which adam rifkin kind of said when he was being interviewed about it that it basically is almost the true story of where burt reynolds was at the time because he's someone that still wanted to act still wanted to like get out there and work but couldn't because he had you know all of his history ahead of him and also he was an older man like mm-hmm. he never you know it's 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 sad that we say it but like once you hit a certain age the world is kind of done with you um and it was his final movie that he completed and finished and got released actually last year in 2018 and then this year he was actually cast in once upon a time in hollywood as george uh, spawn yeah in the uh in the bruce dern role and he actually went to the first table reading but sadly he died before his, his uh, scene could be filmed and uh, James Marsden. Oh, so oh, yeah, he was in. He was in. He was, he was cast. Originally cast. Yeah, yeah, he was cast in the Tarantino film, and then, but died before they filmed. Sadly, um, and but Tarantino got a chance to meet him, and obviously like went through all of his films, and they also um, uh, James Marsden was supposed to portray him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but they uh, they cut his scene out. But apparently, it's uh, now in a new expanded version. A Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that's oh, in theaters. Oh, that right, the one's being uh, re-released. Yep. With, uh, reinstated mm-hmm. scenes. Yep. So, um, guys, I I don't know. Like, I kind of feel like we've hit uh, as much as we can talk about Smoking the Bandit. I would say we... Final thoughts, Phil. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much I can really expand on it. It was a fun romp. Uh, uh, lots of snappy, gibberish dialogue. Uh, great death-defying stunts. All around good time turn your brain off kind of movie 
Kit, what are your final thoughts on Smokey and the Bandit? I would uh, definitely rewatch uh, while laying on the couch on a Sunday afternoon uh, with commercial intermissions while, yeah, like a niece and nephew are just uh, causing havoc around me. Definitely a good time for that. While drinking Coors Banquet, I assume. Hell yeah. yeah. They ain't bad. Lillian, what are your final thoughts on Smokey and the Bandit? Well, yeah, I just want to say thank you to the Gleason, uh, Jackie Gleason for... Um, the Gleason estate. Yes, for his um, just... His oomph. Uh, I he just, gives it, I, right? I, yeah, he gives it, and you're just so kefuffled with him wow. for him. <laughs> such yeah, a broad I think I'm going like, to keep chuckling for a little while every time I think about it. So, yeah, it was fun. Um, how many times is this uh, mark for you Graham you think I think realistically probably maybe three or four at the most like I because I saw when I was a kid on on TBS Graham was shushing us repeatedly to uh, because because we were missing dialogue because films need to be seen and heard (laughs) and when 50% of the room is having a conversation about some meme on the internet hey we only get together once a week sometimes you need to Sometimes you need to meme it out. Anyways. We were having fun. We, we all enjoyed I, it. I enjoy this film, but it also, it makes me sad because we talk about aging with um, with Burt Reynolds. And, you know, I, I realized a little while ago, I'm like, holy crap, in 15 years, I'm going to be 50 years old. And oh, don't think about I'm, that. But it's, but it's not just that, but it's, it's the passage of time now where, like, watching this film, no one has cell phones. They communicate through CB radios. If you wanted to see people, you actually had to go out. Like, I just, I miss that time where, like... You know, you weren't always constantly connected at all times. and They had the party line back then. <laughs> it's not the same. You had to be near a phone. You could connect to a friend tonight. No. The 1-900-PARTY-LINE. You had to be near a phone. It's not the same thing. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of miss it. Like, I hear the new watch. singles in your area. <laughs> I'm shaking my head. The listeners could hear me shake my head before they could see me. Um... No, I I do I'm I don't know I miss the 20th century I feel I feel like we did a lot of bad there but also a lot of good and and maybe we were we were just a little bit more humane for the time being yeah anyways I really enjoy this film I highly 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 recommend it if you haven't seen oh, it. oh it's good time it's people, a good time people whenever I mention it like people kind of turn their noses up because it's like oh that's the the redneck Burt Reynolds movie I'm like Burt it's not it's so enjoyable it's so fun. Just enjoy it. It's a good family-friendly movie. As I said, yeah. perfect Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. film. Yeah. yeah. So with all that being said... I've been Phil. I've been Kit, and I love you guys. I'm Lillian. And I'm still Graham saying, please be sure to rewind. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Keep watching awesome movies. Good night. He's pounded down, loaded up and trucking. Are we going to do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound just like no bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal, son, never mind them brakes. Let it all hang out cause we got a run to make. The boys are thirsty in Atlanta and there's beer in Texarkana. And we'll bring it back no matter what it takes. Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound, just watch your bandit run. 
Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound up, watch old bandit run. Old Smokey's got them ears on, he's hot on your trail. He ain't gonna rest till you're in jail. So you got to dodge him, you've got to duck him, you gotta keep that diesel trucking. Just put that hammer down and give it hell. He's bound to die, load it up and trucking. Are we gonna do what they say can't be done? We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm eastbound up, watch old bandit run. 